we often forget the fundamentals of just pure business. And I often challenge people to say, like, tell me a retailer with a great leadership, strong balance sheet, operational excellence, a good experience, and a product and service at a value that people want to pay. Those five pillars, tell me one that's gone out of business. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, Iona Weiss, and I'm here today with Chris Ressa, host of Retail Retold Podcast, but more importantly and more well-known, he is the Chief Operating Officer, DLC Management, a national leader in uh, retail. Okay, they own dozens of properties around the country. Their portfolio is in excess of $2.5 billion. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on my show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. That's an awesome introduction. You sound amazing when you do that. I'm taking notes right now. I need to get the inflection in my voice to, I guess, be different. You, uh, you rocked it there. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. There's our five-star review right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> we'll just transcribe that and put it right in. Perfect. Well, that's awesome. But Chris, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you know you've been with DLC for over a decade, right? You guys are yes. rocking the retail space. Love to hear a little bit about you know how you got involved with that and what your you know what does your day to day look like as a chief operating officer at such a large uh, company? It's a great question. So I'll start from the beginning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they, but from I got into commercial real estate on the corporate real estate side. I okay. started with the Sherman Williams Company. And so I was in in-house real estate department for Sherwin-Williams. Great organization, loved it. Realized I had a passion for commercial real estate and wanted to work for a company that owned commercial real estate. And Sherwin-Williams, their bread and butter was the paint business, right? not necessarily the commercial real estate business. And so I ended up leaving Sherwin-Williams. I went to a, a landlord in New York City called Ashkenazi Acquisitions. Mm -hmm. They own oh, yeah. real estate sure. all over the country. Yeah, Ben Ashkenazi. And then, sure. yep. And then I left there and went to DLC in the mid 2000s and I've been at DLC for over 13 years now. And that's kind of my career path. As a chief officer, so I've been exposed to a lot of different things in commercial real estate. So from a formality perspective at DLC, we look at it of all the operations at the property level mm -hmm. report up to me. So that is the leasing, construction, property management, and marketing functions. Anything that has to do with the operations at the property, uh, those report up to me. And so at DLC, we say we're, you know, people first organization. And when you have that many departments and some of them are large departments. A good portion of my job is the people management and working with the team and 
removing obstacles and trying to help them do their job to the best of their abilities, I would say that is a big piece. The other piece is the working with our executive management team and department heads to plan and set the strategy. I, I posted about this on LinkedIn today, which was, I asked the audience, you know, what, what type of person do you, do you like to execute on the plan or do you like to create the plan? And it's a great question that I ask a lot of college graduates as they entering the workforce. And I end up interviewing a lot of college graduates who say they want to be in commercial real estate and they're not sure which direction they want to go into. And they'll say, I want to be in development or I want to be in asset management or I want to be in leasing and they like it all. And they want to be in construction. They like it all, but they don't know exactly where they want to go. And so I'll ask them a lot of what I'll call self-awareness questions to try to elicit like, well, based on what you're telling me, here's some thoughts on the matter. And one of the questions I often ask is, do you like to create the plan or execute on the plan? And when I was young in the industry, I wanted to do it. I was a doer. I wanted to get it done and give me a task and I'll go run and do it. I wasn't the one creating the plans and the tasks at that age. And I liked the idea of going out and getting it done versus being behind the scenes of crunching all the numbers and putting the strategy together. I, I wanted to go execute on that. Gotcha. And then as my career grew, you have to, you, you can continue to do that or you can pivot. And I went to a place where now that I've done it and I know what works and what doesn't as you're on the executing level, I wanted to be involved in the strategic planning piece of it. And you spend a lot of time with that uh, as the COO, working with your department heads and executive management in strategic planning. You spend a lot of time on the people management. And that those are some, those are a good portion of my day. I'm with departmental meetings, I'm with clients, I am, and we're strategic planning and you know. I'm not doing the task. It's different tasks, but I'm not doing the executing task as most people think of it like I used to. Instead, I'm working and guiding and helping others do that. The tasks that I'm completing are different. I'm still interfacing with tenants, which are our clients and some of our partners and lenders, but you know, the team is really executing at much larger scale than me. So let me ask you this, because obviously you're dealing with a lot of teams. I mean, as a chief operating officer, you're de- like you said, you're dealing with all the teams at different levels from all the properties. And how many properties currently you guys have under? Uh, about level? about 90 today. 90 properties. So, and you're dealing with, you know, from coming from all angles. Yep. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you have now in this position that, you know, dealing with all of this coming at you? wanting to do because there's only so much time in the day you know I come from that and so it's taken me a while and I've gotten good at like and you know letting go of that and letting the team do it and that's the most efficient thing to do and I can go and do other things but 
you know, I'm like, oh, I, I could help with that. I know how to do that. Yeah. Here's what we should do. <laughs> and wait, but that is not efficient, right? If I did that, there's a million of those a day. Right. They wouldn't need me as a COO. I'd have to do something else because there is too many of those. No, I got that. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's kind of the, the position that you're in and, and having the team members that are able to, to do what they're doing in their respective locations and, you know, positions allows you to be able to oversee them in such a way that, you know, obviously brings value to the whole team. Totally. I, I, I think, right. One of our core missions is to build a best in class team and we have a great team and continuing to, you know, I often say we should be better today than we were yesterday and continuing to get better and better every day. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's, that's definitely a mission of ours. Absolutely. What would you say, you know, obviously retail is, has been hit, right? And I mean, you're coming from the trenches. Yes. Everyone's talking about the retail apocalypse, but now, especially because of, you know, the pandemic, and we're already a few months in, and a lot of people are saying, we may not see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, for some time or, or what have you. I've spoken to a few other people on this podcast about their own issues, but everyone has a different perspective. So I'd love the perspective from, you know, an owner of shopping centers an owner of, you know, retail properties to give, you know, give kind of that perspective of what do you see happening right now and the changes that you guys are making to kind of ride the, ride the storm. Yeah. When you're in crisis mode, it forces you to create some new strategic initiatives, right? right. And, yeah. and so we've done a lot of that. And we are still working on new strategic initiatives to be able to be nimble and pivot in a time of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. No doubt we're in a time of uncertainty. Yeah. You know, you have a pandemic, a recession, and then a potentially changing consumer, which is all coming together all at once. That, that makes it definitely challenging. A couple of things as I, I see it today from the long term. The short term, we'll, we'll see, right? Stores will open, stores will close. Right. There will be pent up demand for certain things because people are stir crazy. And there will be people who are concerned to go to the store. That's the short term. It's always going to happen. Over the, it's always uh, right? Over the long haul, I think we often forget the fundamentals of just pure business. And I often challenge people to say like, tell me a retailer with a great leadership, strong balance sheet, operational excellence, a good experience and a product and service at a value that people want to pay. Those five pillars, tell me one that's gone out of business. Mm -hmm. And typically, and notice I didn't say anything about online. Yeah, I didn't say anything about online retailing, and that, I can't can go online. I can't think of one who's at the time when the the business didn't work anymore had those five pillars locked and loaded. Right, great leadership, operational excellence. Right, they have to be able to operate well. They have to have all those pieces: the supply chain, the store management, all the things that. We don't talk about enough in the real estate space that matter about retail. We talk a lot about Amazon and online. We don't talk enough about great leadership, operational excellence, the experience in the store, a product and service at a value people want to pay. Mm 
it's why all the value-oriented retailers were doing so well, right? TJX and Ross stores in Burlington and Walmart and Target, they have a value that people want to pay. The channel in which they they buy it might be different, whether that's online or in the store, but at the end of the day, they have a, a, a product and service that people at a value that people like, and then a strong balance sheet. And, you know, retailers with those five things, I haven't found any that have gone out of business and maybe there will be, but today I don't know of any that had those five things that have gone away. Right. And so I, I, I feel if you, you need those pillars, but to me, those pillars were the same 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago as they are today. Right. You need those, right. And, and yeah. you need those. The second thing I would say is it, we're really talking about, you know, the shift to online shopping and, I think it will be interesting because the other thing that we don't talk about enough today is a lot of these digitally only e-commerce brands are not profitable. And how long is that sustainable? And typically it, you know, typically that's only sustainable for so long. There have been a few retailers that got a hall pass for a long time. Amazon got a hall pass for a long time. Wayfair seems to be getting a hall pass. Uh, and they're, 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 you know, because they're losing, you know, money every quarter. And at some point, not everyone can lose money every quarter. They have to make money. And the, the cost, the reason, the appeal, the allure to online is the cost of entry. Mm-hmm. It's very cheap. Fiona and Chris wanted to open up a t-shirt shop. We could open up a t-shirt shop pretty easily. The cost to scale is immense. It's the infrastructure is immense. And that's where the money pit ends up being is to scale. You get to, you know, I had Melissa Gonzalez on, on our podcast. She said the number where they typically want to scale is about $10 million. That's where like you're in multiple markets, you need more infrastructure. And that's the point at that point, you really, you might need stores at that point in order mm-hmm. to distribute the product. And as we continue, and I keep talking about the future, I'm pretty excited about the future technology and the future implementation of buy online, pick up in store. Okay. And that is, and, and that's a piece of it that involves real estate. By the end of this week, we should have that at DLC at all our properties. This weekend, I was getting texts from my property management team as it was get our, all the signs were up and we were talking to the merchants this weekend. It was getting up in properties in Mississippi and Arkansas and Florida that we own. And I believe that is going to be a game changer because the that cost that I was talking about that makes the infrastructure so hard is that last mile that we talk about to get the product 4,000 products in one truck to one store Mm -hmm. is a lot cheaper than 4,000 boxes to 4,000 different homes. It's a lot more, the shipping's a lot costly. So how do I make it just as convenient as that, but have you come to the store and this buy online pickup in store is happening. It will be telling when the short-term numbers come out and we see of the increase in e-commerce shopping through the pandemic, how much was fulfilled by a store right. versus a distribution center. And That's so very interesting. Yeah. You guys are typically you guys are looking at, I mean, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but most of your properties, and again, you're looking at shopping centers, you know, you have anchor tenants and usually your anchor tenants are these big, you know, big retailers who have that track record of all those points that, that you were discussing before, you know, talking about like a shopping, you know, uh, a supermarket that has, you know, a great location in that, in that uh, market, uh, a Walgreens, a Walmart, right? Things like that. Th- those are the, typically the type of properties. Yeah, we have, are- we have, we have national tenants uh, in, in many of our centers. We also have mom and pop local businesses. We do have a lot of tenants that offer value. We are, you know, value-driven properties uh, today, and a lot of tenants were essential through the pandemic, and mm-hmm. that helped them. But yeah, that, those are our th- those are our tenant mix for sure. All right, awesome, and that's gonna, you know, gonna make it make make or break the the deal, right? And you're talking about looking and seeing if there's, you know, stores that have in-store pickup versus versus online shopping versus, you know, in-store and your essential retailers that, that are there, obviously that's going to make a huge difference. You know, we're talking about retail. It's a big, you know, it's a, it's a big market. It's a big asset class, right? There are definitely huge niches within that. And you guys yeah. kind of span a few different aspects of that. Yeah. It, it's definitely one of the largest asset classes. There's so many different product types, right. yeah. you know, oftentimes you'll hear in office, you know, is it class A, B, or C? In retail, we have grocery anchored centers, unanchored strips, power centers, outlet centers, enclosed yeah. regional single malls, tenants, lifestyle right? centers, single tenant, triple net lease centers or properties, right? And so there's niches in that. I think the, you know, those that will succeed and people continue to buy from in the store will be those who have those five pillars I talked about, as well as I think it'll be those who continually find a way to provide you a value and be convenient because that that's been the challenge, right? You know, if you want to pack a gum, it's not very cost effective to get it delivered to your home. But if I can do things, right? Because the shipping's more than the gum, right? But if I can do things to make, you know, provide a real convenience, Mm -hmm. as well as um, provide a value, that'll be interesting. I I, I found it very interesting when I was recently down the shore, the New Jersey shore, and I saw Wawa was doing curbside pickup. And that's a store that's a listed as a convenience store. Mm -hmm making themselves more convenient. Right. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. It's just about that, that awareness, right. About, like you said before, like what, what is the market want, right? What yeah. do the customers want? And uh, a retailer who has that kind of, uh, that awareness is going to be the one that's going to succeed. Yeah. Um, I know we usually, I'd love to, you know, we don't have forever to talk here. I wish we did. Yeah. We usually like to end our show with the final four, which is four questions that I ask everyone. And I usually prep the guests beforehand. We had such like a great conversation before we actually hit the record button that I totally forgot to tell no you what four questions are. So they're going to be live for you. But before we get to that, I'm going to flip the script around on you. <laughs> okay. And at the end of Retail Retold, your podcast, you ask every guest, right? Three questions. Yep. 
I'm going to turn it back on you and All get right. some questions out of you. So first question for you is, and I ask everyone at the end anyways, how are they going to contact? So we're going to save that for the end. But the question I have for you is, what is your best commercial real estate advice? I have been offered a ton of advice over the years, but here's something simple that was profound to me, which is do the ordinary extraordinarily well. There's a lot of people that try to do these crazy things, but if you can do the ordinary with virtuosity, it will make you stand out. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Number two, what is an extinct retailer that you want to bring back from the dead? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> such a tough one. So I'm going to say Rickle, which was a home improvement store that I used to go to with my father when I was a young child and they were, um, and they went out, but I, I liked it. I have some nostalgic memories about kind of doing some projects with my dad when I was little. Okay. Very cool. And so another, the, the last question you ask your guest is right. We're going to go and find a retail product yep. out there and you're going to have to tell me what that costs. Yes. So I'm going into Walgreens. Okay. okay. And I need, because right, obviously you don't need it, but I need it. Right. I need a blow dryer for my hair. <laughs> okay. And there's a lot out there to choose from, but I'm going to, I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the infinity pro by Conair brushless motor dryer. How much does it cost? Okay. I'm going to say, <laughs> this is amazing. Hold on, you uh, asked me how to power washer for my, you know, $39.99. Ooh, I can tell you don't have hair. <laughs> $79.99. Oh man. All right. Oh man. That was great. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So we're going to jump into the final four now, which are the four questions I ask all my guests. The first question is what is the worst job you ever had? Oh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story moving, moving, I, moving. I said, I've often said, no matter how rich or poor I get two things, I'm going to find a way to never skimp out on are movers and air conditioning. Moving was really, really hard. See, I, I, I am, I was a wrestler, pretty strong, weightlifting. You think that's good for moving. Quite the opposite. What you need in moving is long arms. I have short arms because you put all the boxes on your back and I couldn't reach them. Yeah. <laughs> Very hard being a mover. Oh man. Yeah, that's definitely hard. Second question for you. What's a, a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? A totally different thinking. Wow. I'm sure... A lot of people have said like Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So I'm going to move from that. Uh, start with why Simon Sinek. Awesome. And as a leader, you know, as a business leader, as someone who's, you know, leading teams, yes. I, I definitely, I can relate to that. I see that. Yep. Awesome. Awesome book. Question number three, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Wow. Uh, <laughs> so... I'll give you one in the digital age and it's so easy and I have no excuse, but very simple. I would, you know, and Gabe Gonzalez put this out there recently, which is I would love to be able to have the video and audio editing skills. And 
you read anything on for social media stuff and my editing skills is are weak and i kind of go to the you it's better you know that's not you have too much to do you should reach into your pocket and pay for those things and go get better skills but it's just one those are it's less about the actual business it's more about i'm intrigued by it and it's more of hobby i understand the business right there's a lot of other things and skills in business that i would rather have but from a a hobbyist and things something i enjoy from the creator perspective i wish that came naturally to me yeah that, that's it's a great one to learn absolutely fourth question fourth and final question what does success mean to you that's so much stuff i was just talking about this today but uh i said this in the beginning which was doing the extraordinary or doing the ordinary extraordinarily well right because if you can do that then there's a lot of different things that come on under, under that that would mean that you know i'm a great father and husband. I've provided well for my family, in my opinion, if I could do the ordinary extraordinarily well. Awesome. Unbelievable. Chris, you've been a great guest today. Where can our listeners find you or find out more about you? So uh, three easy spots. Uh, My hashtag is Ressa on real estate, R-E-S-S-A. You'll find me on LinkedIn there. You can find me on our podcast, Retail retold on all your favorite listening channels. Or you can go to DLC's website, www.dlcmgmt.com. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. We've learned so much today. It's really been awesome chatting with you and, uh, and getting to learn a little bit about how you guys operate and what the, you know what's going on in the retail world right now. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Thanks, Joan. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. And to all our listeners, thank you for joining once again. And remember... The best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.